Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 30 With a spoken book from Tessa's study in hand, Baz followed the Madame Scrivener back to the sanctum, where they came upon quite the peculiar sight. Rox and Emma were seated at the same table. The harbor looked like an adult sitting at furniture made for children, and Baz was certain his chair was about to snap to splinters at any moment. More bizarre, though, was that Emma was laughing at something Rox had said before they'd entered. Aelin was standing behind her, arms folded, glowering at the scene. Emma, snapped Tessa as they approached the table. Emma started and jumped to her feet, smile gone, though the glow of laughter still shone in her cheeks. Assemble a team. You'll be escorting Seeker Bastion and his companion to the city limits. Seeker Bastion? Emma asked. You're letting them leave? Aelin demanded at the exact same time. Tessa turned toward Aelin, face devoid of expression. You question my judgment? Aelin quickly looked down to his boots. No, Madame Scrivener, of course not. After burying Aelin under her glare for another moment, Tessa turned to Baz. Make the harbor swear now, or our deal is forfeit. Mother, Emma said, far more assertive than earlier. Rocks and Bastion saved me. Couldn't you be a little more... civil? Emma lost some of her fire as she drew Tessa's eyes, but she kept her chin held high despite her mother's scrutiny. They could just as easily have been the death of you and all the rest of us, Tessa said voice like a winter storm. One day you'll be in my place, and you can treat such threats however civilly you please, but I hope you'll grow out of such compassion before that day comes. It will get a lot of people killed. Shame bloomed on Emma's face, and the suggestion of a tear formed in one of her eyes. Enough, Tessa, Baz said, stepping back into the Madame Scrivener's line of sight. Iron fists only go so far. I ought to know. Tessa's face darkened. Are you... Baz ignored her, turning to rocks. Big man, listen. I've made a deal to get us out of here, but it requires you to make an oath. Rocks lowered his brows and stood. The sound his chair made as he did so verified Baz's earlier suspicions about its structural integrity. It is not right for one man to bind another unknowingly. I haven't bound you to anything, Baz replied, but it's either agree or Tessa isn't going to let us out of here alive. Rox growled as if he wasn't so sure Tessa could enforce such a threat. Baz certainly didn't want to test that theory. 
Look, all you need to do is promise not to tell anyone about Undertome and all the people living here. That's not so bad, is it? If it means getting back to Deliritus? I got his book, by the way. Baz held up the volume for the harbor to see. Rox cocked his head at the book, as if he saw something interesting in it, though he didn't say anything about it. In fact, he didn't say anything at all for quite some time, long enough that Baz began to worry he might be getting ready to draw his razor. I will swear that oath, the giant finally said, subject to my existing one to Deliritus, that I shall do all in my power to see he comes to no harm. What? Tessa said. Rox turned his head slowly toward the Madame Scrivener, taking a step forward. Tessa, for her part, did not shy away from him, a gale force meeting a mountain. The words mean what they mean, keeper of what remains. Would you have me disgrace myself by swearing an oath that overrides an existing one? The two locked eyes with such intensity that Baz expected sparks to begin flying. But Tessa's mountain finally faltered in the face of Rox's storm. Blasted enigmas, she muttered. Then she spun and pointed a finger in Baz's face. You had better make this worth it. Complete your task, and if you breathe a word of this place to another soul, we will know, and we will find you. Baz knew with absolute certainty that she meant it, and that they wouldn't be throwing him a party when they found him. Tessa gave Baz no time to report, leaving the sanctum without a backward glance. Their departure was quick and unceremonious after that. Baz might have agreed to be a seeker, but Tessa obviously had no wish for him or Rox to stay in Undertome any longer than was absolutely necessary. Emma brought together the same group of Cityless who had captured Baz and Rox earlier, minus the two Rox had injured, and they were back up in the ruins within a matter of minutes. Not Cityless, Baz thought, as they walked back down the ruined streets of Tome. These people had their city, even if no one outside of Tome knew it. Keepers of what remains. If he was going to work for them, he might as well start using their name. At least where no one else could hear. I have to admit, Emma said, breaking Baz from his thoughts. I'm surprised she let you go. Still thinking of killing us? Her face colored. No, I appreciate what you did for me and everyone else in Undertome. Who knows how many people those hoarders would have killed. But you must understand. Think of the consequences if our secret gets out. How long would it take for the cities of the Triumvirate to send an army to strip our shelves bare and murder every last one of us for heathens? Baz shrugged, as that was the only response that seemed appropriate. She was absolutely right, of course. Just thinking of what someone like Duke Octavenal would do with the knowledge of what existed in Undertome gave Baz chills. He must have come up with something pretty extraordinary to convince her to label you a seeker as cover for letting you leave. <laughs> Baz said, you give me too much credit. It was all her idea. Well, all except giving me the book I needed. That, at least, I managed to wring out of her. 
Emma scrunched up her face. You mean she actually made you a seeker? But what could she want from you? No offense, mind. Bess chuckled, though his amusement quickly faded as he said, She wants me to go to Fortune. Thinks there's a transcription of the Declaimer's transcendence there. Every single one of the keepers in the group stopped at once, all turning to look at him in unison. What? murmured Emma. The transcendence is her life's work. She's been sending seekers in search of it for as long as I can remember. Yet she told you where it is? Why would she have never told me of it? Bez shrugged. He seemed to be doing that a lot lately, but that was because there'd been so few good answers to the questions being asked of him. Probably because she didn't want you trying to go off looking for it. But it's my right, she shouted, causing Bass to flinch away from her. She took a deep breath. Sorry, but my family has been searching for the transcendence for generations. It's... Well, you can't understand what it means to know she kept something like that for me. Baz looked down to the ground, embarrassed by Emma's emotion. If it makes any difference, I don't believe I'll find anything there. That only makes it worse, sending a non-believer in my place. Do you have any idea what they'll do to you if they discover you can read? Baz looked up, eyes thinning to slits. Do you have any idea what they do to people in erstwhile they discover can read? What they did to my brother? It was Emma's turn to look away. Sorry, she said. Let's just drop it. They continued on in silence. Moving in a straight line, they proceeded through the city much faster than earlier, when Rox and Baz had been trailing Emma and her companions up and down the abandoned streets. It couldn't have been more than an hour before they neared the spot where Aramir had dropped them off. As promised, the book dragon was already there, curled up in a ball with his head poking from his furry, coiled mass. When he saw them, his ears perked and his head rose off the ground. The keepers reacted to him just as rocks had, bowing and generally regarding him with wide eyes. My young orator and fellow enigmen, fellow enigmen, Aramir said when they reached him, his voice floating on the wind. I didn't expect you so soon, or, truth be told, at all, at all. But I am glad to see you unharmed. Did you complete your task? Your task? We did, Aramir. Bass said, and your gift came in quite handy. Thank you for that. A book dragon pays his debts, his debts, and you bring with you the Lady Tessa's daughter. Well met, young keeper of what remains, what remains. Ermer bobbed his head in a fair approximation of a bow, his mustaches floating up and down with the rest of him. Well met, illumined one, Emma said, bowing in return. You honor us with the gift of your lifeblood. It will help greatly in our continued work on the equities. Aramir's jaws opened into a smile. It is what Prontvi Lextor would have wanted, have wanted. 
Sometimes it takes the unexpected to be reminded of what matters. What matters? Indeed, Emma said. For some reason, she looked at Baz as she said it. Baz feigned a cough to evade Emma's consideration. I guess this is it, he said. Good meeting you, I suppose. He held out a hand to the young woman, the same one he just coughed into, Baz realized, too late to withdraw it. Emma considered a moment, but instead of taking his hand, she turned to her leather satchel and began rummaging inside it. She came out with a small volume, little larger than her hand. Baz's eyes rose at the sight of it. He'd seen such books before. A few of the libraries in erstwhile had ones like it. They had been exceedingly difficult to make in the times before the burning. Squeezing enough power into such a small package had apparently been next to impossible, and being in possession of a book that could fit in one's pocket could prove to be a great advantage. Here, Emma said. She glanced over to Rocks. His back was to them, asking Aramir about the Lyritus, paying them no attention. She took a step closer to Baz and placed the book into his outstretched hand. To show you I really do appreciate what you did, and what you plan to do. I know you didn't ask for any of this. Yeah, Baz said, voice suddenly thick. He wasn't sure anyone had ever so accurately related to him as Emma had with that simple statement. Thanks, it's more than I deserve. I don't think so, she replied with a smile. Now go, before my mother has a sudden change of heart. Baz laughed, but he also knew there was at least a little truth in that joke. With a final nod to Emma, he slipped the small book into his hip pocket and climbed onto Aramir's back. Rox gave a bow to Emma, which she returned with a smile, then followed Baz, settling himself onto the book dragon's back. Farewell, daughter of Lady Tessa, Lady Tessa. And with that, they were up into the skies once more, leaving Tome behind them. Baz wished he could say he was putting it behind him for good, but his destiny was now tied to the ruined city and its clandestine inhabitants. Bloody burning books! Would he never have a moment's peace again? Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author, or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.